I've got a confession to make, actually. I've got a confession that I want to tell you guys. That um, when I looked at this passage, I didn't want to preach on it. I'm like, this is kind of like the dregs of 2 Timothy. Like, you know, like on a hot day when someone's got a bottle of Coke, and you're like, hey, dude, can I have some Coke? You're like, yeah, sure, I'll give you some Coke. And they take this massive skull over it, and they give you like this last little bit of warm brown liquid. I'm like... This kind of feels like what this is, the leftovers of 2 Timothy, all these random names. It's kind of like, you know, this random personal letter from Paul, you know, hey guys, bring my parchments, okay, see ya. Like, what's the deal with this? Like, I, I looked at this, I'm like, man, I'm, I've got to find another bit of the Bible. That's my confession. Like, I just didn't want, to, didn't want to do this tonight. But then I remembered a verse that we looked at a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. That comes from 2 Timothy 3.16. A bunch of you guys know it. And it says that all Scripture, there should be a slide, that all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All Scripture is God-breathed. And I'm like, man, okay. Well, this that we just read, this random kind of personal letter from Paul, this is breathed out by the God of the universe and is actually useful for us. It's going to help us. So I kind of looked at it a bit more closely, and I was like, actually, there's heaps of good stuff in there. And I reckon the big thing in here that we're going to look at tonight is friendship. Friendship. And so I've got a question for you. I'm going to ask. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask for God's help. I'm going to look at this thing of friendship. Let me pray. Uh, Dear Lord, um, thanks so much for your word. And thank you that even though random bits of the Bible, seemingly random bits of the Bible like this, are actually from you, that they are God-breathed. They are useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and righteousness, Lord. And I pray that... Um, tonight as I speak, that I can be clear, that I can help us understand your word and that we would be um, yeah, listening and then we'd be changed by it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So friendship. So my question for you guys is, who are your good friends? Who are like your three good friends? You have a think about it. Who are they? I mean, if you could name three, could you, could you three like best friends? I mean, maybe some of you guys reckon that's a dumb question. You're like, Mike, I couldn't, name, I couldn't just limit it to three. I've got heaps of good friends. Like, I'm always getting invited to stuff. Like, I'm, I'm pretty popular. You know, I've got heaps of people around me. Like, you know, what, three, that's ridiculous. But others of you, and I've chatted to a bunch of you guys, others of you are like, I actually feel like I don't have many friends at all. I feel quite lonely. That might be a bunch of you guys as well. I mean, our culture, it doesn't have a particularly high view of friendship. Our culture kind of values romance a lot more than friendship. I mean, pretty much every movie, it's all about romance. I mean, how often do movies totally center on friendship? I mean, sure, friendship's in there, but, and pop songs as well. Like, it's, it's all about romance. It's friendship, it's, it's this thing that we don't even need to survive. Like, every other relationship's important. You know, family, you know, if you're a little kid, you need your parents to, you know, to support you, to sustain you. If you're, you know, as you get older, you need to find a, a mate to kind of procreate to, you know, and enable the, spe- the, the survival of our species. But friendship, like what purpose does friendship have? Friendship really isn't that important. Actually, the Bible really does value friendship and it has a very different message to what our culture, what our world says. And so we're going to look at three things about friendship from this passage. The first thing we're going to see is that as Christians, we can expect to lose friends. As Christians, we can expect to lose friends. Now, it sucks losing friends, doesn't it? I don't know if you've lost some friends. Maybe you've lost friends recently. People that you used to be close with, that you used to have laughs with, see all the time. 
that now for, for whatever reason you're no longer friends with them. I mean, that sucks. But actually, this is, as Christians, this is what we should expect. This is what happened to Paul. This is what happened to Jesus. And this is what will happen, or maybe has happened to us. Open back up to 2 Timothy. Check out verse 9. Remember, this is Paul. Kind of, He's about to die, and he's writing to his apprentice, Timothy. He says, Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved the world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. So Paul, he's got all these people who have, who have bailed on him. And check out in verse 16, when he was in trouble, when he needed, you know, a friend in needs, a friend indeed. When he needed friends, he'd said, everyone at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Can you imagine that? Imagine like if you're in jail and everyone just bails on you. Imagine if you had to go to hospital and no one came to see you for something serious. That would suck. But no one came to support him. No one came to support him. And so why? Why as Christians, why did Paul, and why as Christians should we expect to lose friends? Well, there's three reasons I'm going to show you. Firstly, uh, check out verse 9. It's from loving the world. Verse 9 says, Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved the world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. See, Paul's mate Demas, who we can read about in, in Philemon 1 and uh, Colossians 4, he was a good friend of Paul. He did ministry with him. He traveled around with him. He saw churches get started. He saw hundreds of people become Christians. He saw people get healed from diseases, all this crazy stuff. And yet, he bailed. He deserted him just to go to Thessalonica to party, to go where the bright lights were. It was the big city. He bailed on Paul and he bailed on God because he chose the world over God. I mean, imagine if EV Youth, right? Imagine if EV Youth grew to a thousand. It's about how many this building holds if we kind of pack everyone in. Imagine if it grew to a thousand. And like me as a youth leader or one of the youth leaders is like, oh, no, EV Youth's kind of lame. I'm going to actually just go and get drunk, you know, at the Terrigal pub on Friday night instead. Like, how ridiculous would that be if, if, like, if you grew so many, we saw hundreds of people become Christians, if we saw crazy miracles happen, and, and we just, as a leader, just bailed and just chose to do something else. That would be ridiculous. That's kind of what ha- it's like happened for this guy, Demas. And so he loved the world more than God. And there's a couple of things we can learn here. We need to be prepared that some of our Christian friends might walk that same path. Maybe they already have. Some of our Christian friends might choose the world over Jesus. I mean, that sucks when it happens, doesn't it? In 2 Timothy 3, it says we should gently, gently pray and encourage people to come back. I mean, I know a bunch of people who have bailed on youth. A bunch of people bailed on church because they've chosen the world over Jesus. It's the number one reason why people humanly speaking, fall away because they choose the world over Jesus. I mean, it's, it's often things like parties, boyfriends, girlfriends, jobs, just things that kind of seem really exciting. But it's also often things that are like, you know, more subtle as well. Family, maybe sport, maybe school. Maybe it's just, just trying to be a good person. That can, that can as well take people away because you love the good things of the world. My sister, I, I love her. I love her to bits. I used to lead on youth camps with her. She used to kind of lead a you know, kids' church at my, my old church. And yet, like, she's one of the nicest people I know. 
she went to, she studied um, medicine with Derek, actually, and she chose the world over God. She's a doctor. She's been to Africa. She's done heaps of like awesome volunteer work. She's done a bunch of stuff for the Breast Cancer Foundation, like heaps of really good stuff. And yet she's chosen the world and slowly she's drifted away from God. And it sucks. It sucks. And so we also need to watch out for others, but we need to watch out for ourselves. As we make decisions, as we look to the future, what do we value? Where does our heart kind of want to take a lick of the world? Like, what are the, what are the things that are we, we're attracted to? Even the good things of this world that we're loving more than Jesus. You know, what do we want to do after school? And how does that fit in? How does that fit in to loving Jesus? Secondly, people might actually hate us because we're Christians. Check out verse 14. Alexander the metal worker, Paul says, did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. This guy, Alexander, let's just call him Angry Al. I mean, I'm kind of picturing him as a metal worker. He's maybe he's got a metal rod in his hand. He's been smacking Paul or just doing something hectic like that. He, he was angry because he, he opposed Jesus. And so he, I don't know, maybe he started beating up Paul. We don't know. But he opposed the message of Jesus. And so he took it out on Paul and he did him a great deal of harm. Maybe it's the same guy that Paul talks about in 1 Timothy who was saying dodgy stuff, who Paul kind of kicked out of the church. But it's not just Paul. Jesus says to his disciples, and indeed to us, check out this verse, John 15, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. And he also says in Matthew 10 that you, disciples, and us, if we're disciples, follow Jesus, will be hated by everyone because of me. Do not be, and also in John, um, John says, 1 John, do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. See, the world, the world is ruled by Satan, not by Jesus. The world opposes Jesus. And so we shouldn't be surprised when people hate us when people subtly distance ourselves, when people themselves, when people kind of talk under their breath or pay out Christians or the media racks up against us or schools make it hard for us to tell people about Jesus, we shouldn't be surprised because the world hates the message of Jesus. I mean, people might be thinking, oh, those Christians, like they're so judgmental, they're so arrogant. I don't know if you've heard that before. I've heard it a bunch of times. A lot of people, they hate Christians, and I've lost friends because of it. Now, this isn't an excuse to then be arrogant or judgmental. Like, we should be the most forgiving, humble people on earth because we know how desperately we need a savior. But some people, they get fired up over the offensive claims of Christianity. Some people just can't deal the fact that the Bible says that they're sinners. The Bible says that there's only one way to God. The Bible says that God's design for marriage is the best way. Some people just, they just can't deal with that. And so they get fired up. And this stuff's kind of happening in our culture more and more. Check out what Paul says in Galatians. What are we trying to do? Are we trying to win them or are we trying to follow God? He says, and now am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of God. 
So as Christians, we want to be serving God first, not trying to win approval, not trying to look good in front of our, of our non-Christian mates. We also, we also want, want to think about maybe distancing ourselves from people that aren't going to be good influences on us. All right, the third reason why we might lose friends is because they go and serve Jesus elsewhere. Check out 2 Timothy verse, uh, 4 verse 10. Cretans has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. These three guys, three good mates of Paul, Christian guys that have all gone to different places. And so that happens. Sometimes Christians just go to places of need. Sarah, my wife, her, her family... And she, when she was young, she went to the Solomon Islands for a couple of years, this like remote island, like didn't have TV, didn't have internet, didn't have a bunch of stuff. She had no idea about what was going on in the culture. She came back, she was in primary school, and everyone was like into the Spice Girls. She's like, who are the Spice Girls? And so she, she got cut off and had to say goodbye to her friends. And her parents felt it more, her mum especially. You can ask her about that later. And then later on, her parents went to Kenya for six years to tell people about Jesus and to train others to tell people about Jesus. It was really hard for them. And it was really hard for their friends just to say goodbye to them again. But the gospel, the good news of Jesus, demands that we go and tell others about it. And so when people haven't heard, or when people need to hear the gospel, it might involve saying goodbye to friends. Are we prepared to do that? It's not always the crazy like remote places as well. I've got a friend called Bron who used to be a leader here at EV Youth a while ago. And she, um, she was studying uh, to be a teacher. And she found out that they're actually in, in Sydney at, at UTS. And she found out that at Armidale, there actually weren't many Christians at all. That Armidale really needed to hear the gospel. And so she changed her uni degree from UTS to Armidale, which was like 10 points lower is the ATAR score, just so that she could tell other people about Jesus. Actually, Derek became a Christian while she was over there, not directly because of her, but she saw a bunch of people become Christians there, which is awesome. And so here's someone that just kind of made a strategic decision, said goodbye to a whole bunch of friends, said goodbye to a great church here so that she could tell others about Jesus. Hazy, who many of you guys know, he's gone to Sydney. He's left EV Youth to kind of go to a new church that needs to hear about Jesus so he can train. He's studying the Bible in Sydney and he wants to go and, and tell many people about Jesus where they, need, where they need it. Sarah and I are thinking about maybe going to Queensland long term to tell other people about Jesus. That'd be sad to say goodbye to you guys. But will you consider that? If you're a Christian, will you consider going to where the gospel is needed? And how will you cope if your friends go? How will you cope? All right, secondly, second big thing I want to say about friendship. Christians, we actually need good friends. We've talked a lot about losing friends, but Christians, we actually need good friends. We're not meant to do stuff alone. You know, while we will lose a bunch of friends throughout our lives, God has actually created us to be family, to be brothers and sisters, to be in relationships with each other. I mean, check out all the friends that Paul had. Jump to verse 19 with me. He says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila um, and you know, Wenisiphorus, Erastus, all these people, they're not just random weird names, but real people that Paul had good relationships with, that were friends, that encouraged him. I mean, check out how he describes his relationship with Timothy. Flick back with me to 2 Timothy 1. Uh, 2 Timothy 1. Verse 2, he says, To Timothy, my dear son, 
See, Paul wasn't literally the father of Timothy, but he had such a good relationship with Timothy that he kind of considered him family. See, friendships, Christian friendships are so important to us. Three reasons why. I'm kind of doing a lot of threes tonight. Firstly, it's because God made us that way. He made you and I in His image. And so what does that mean? Well, it means a whole bunch of things, but it means that we're made for relationships. It means that we're made for relationships. God is a God of relationships, and He wants us to reflect that by being in relationships with each other. You know, biologically, you guys have you know, parents uh, that look after you when you're young, um, but you know, we actually need to be in relationship with each other because spiritually that's how God has made us. And so the person without friends, you know, there's a deep hole in their heart. And it's nothing biological that kind of needs that they need to kind of have friends, but there's a deep hole in their heart. This might be you if you don't have many friends. And I've talked to a bunch of you and you said, and this is, this is I kind of feel mixed about this, that EV Youth is the only place that you guys have true friends. I mean, at one level, I feel, oh, I feel really sad that, that, that you guys don't have many friends at school. Um, but at the same time, it's awesome that you guys are a community that really love and look out for people. It's so good to see. And you guys know who you are if, if that's you. But it's more than just kind of big groups like this. We actually need to be close friends with each other. We need to have a few people that we're close to in our lives. Check out verse 11. The second reason why is for our encouragement. Verse 11, Paul says, Get Mark because he's helpful to me in my ministry. See, Mark is the guy who wrote the book of Mark, which we looked at a couple of terms ago, who was the traveling companion of Peter, and then he spent a much time with Paul. And he was really helpful because he could write, write the stuff that was going down. He was an evangelist. He told other people about Jesus. He, and he helped kind of behind the scenes, you know, starting churches and helping the gospel get spread. So we need Christians to kind of encourage us. That's the second thing. I think next slide. And this dude with a random name in verse 19, when Sephorus, kind of sounds like a dinosaur or something. Like Paul said that like in 1 Timothy that he refreshed him. Paul loved spending time with this guy. He was a great encouragement. And so we need Christians to encourage us and to help us kind of keep going. Because the Christian life, it's hard as we've looked at this term. It's hard to keep living to Jesus, especially when our world doesn't want to. You know, the world says that we're the most important person in our, in, you know, in our lives, that we should kind of just pursue our dreams. The world is our oyster. But the Bible says something very different. And we need others to encourage us, to keep pointing us back to Jesus. Even like in verse 13, you know, we need people to help us remember to bring our parchments and scrolls. I mean, it's good to see a bunch of you guys bring your parchments tonight. That's, that's kind of Paul's way of, of talking about God's Word. I mean, a bunch of us, it was what I've been encouraged by. A bunch of you guys don't have many Christians at your school. And that, that's really hard. And, and I hear stories of you guys texting each other during the week, of, of praying for each other. That's so good. It's so good that EV Youth is a place for many of you guys find genuine encouragement from each other. Keep it up. The third reason we need Christian friends, um, good friends as Christians, is so that we can have accountability. Our hearts, they're selfish. They're prone to wonder. They're pursuing selfish desires. We're looking out for ourselves. And that's what the world says as well. You know, we're constantly tempted. We're tempted just to chill on our phones instead of getting into God's Word. Tempted to find our identity and our excitement 
in a relationship with someone of the opposite sex rather than with God. We're tempted to exaggerate a story you know, with our friends to make ourselves look better or maybe Photoshop a picture on Instagram to make ourselves look better in front of others. And so we need friends in our lives that can help us keep accountable. All Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting in, in righteousness. You know, we need to speak out when people have made bad choices. I mean, how do you guys go at that? When's the last time you rebuke someone when you saw a Christian friend who wasn't living for Jesus? I mean, it can be hard. And are you allowing yourselves to be rebuked by God's word through others? Proverbs says that wounds from a friend can be trusted. It hurts when we're rebuked. It's like a wound. It's like being stabbed. But if they're from a friend, if they're from someone who loves us and wants to see us grow in our relationship with Jesus, we can trust them. Sarah's got a good friend who, um, who's a, who was a Christian, who was loving Jesus, who started dating someone who didn't love Jesus. And Sarah, um, one of Sarah's strengths is she, she speaks the truth. She's got many strengths, but she speaks the truth. And, and her friend didn't want to hear it. Her friend like, hated it, actually, that, that Sarah was speaking up, that, saying that, oh, look, I don't think this is, relationship's good for you. But later on, Sarah's friend actually thanked her for that. Later on, with a bit more perspective, she said, actually, you were the only one that was speaking up. I actually wish that more of my Christian friends spoke up when I started to date that guy. It's a hard thing to do to call out someone, but if you genuinely love and care for someone, you've got to do it. So do you have someone in your life, even one person in your life, a Christian friend that you can be open and real with? Maybe it's your leader. Maybe it's someone in your G team. I know a bunch of you guys are trying to do stuff like that. I hear stories of guys and girls getting covenant eyes, which is software that actually monitors uh, what you're looking at, and you get email reports um, when dodgy sites come up. I've got a couple of mates that, you know, I get their reports. I see what they're watching. I help keep them accountable. And it's, you know, it's not easy when I see kind of things pop up. Like, I don't like confronting people. I don't like kind of, you know, ringing my mates or texting them. It's hard. But because I love them, I do. I had lunch with a mate um, last week who said to me, Mike, I just pretty much have never really read the Bible at all, and I'd love you to keep me accountable. Now, I could have kind of beat him up and said, oh, you haven't read the Bible? But I was like, no, no, I love that you've come to me in humility, and I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to help you, because I need to grow in it as well. If you're struggling, if you're struggling and stuff, chat to someone, chat to a leader. We'd love to help you. We'd love to see you grow in your relationship with Jesus. So we need Christian friends because God made us that way for our encouragement and for accountability. But here's the last thing that we're going to see in this passage. I'll wrap up soon with this. Christians, we need Jesus as our Lord, but also as our best friend. Come back with me to 2 Timothy. Check out chapter 4, verse 17. So everyone has deserted. Everyone's bailed on Paul when he's in trouble. But this is what he says. The Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And so there's three things that Jesus does in this passage as our friend. He strengthens us. Firstly, he strengthens us in our suffering. See, Paul, he had guys 
leave him. He had friends leave him. He was chucked in jail. He was stoned. And that's the kind of stone when you get hit with rocks, not the other kind. And, um, and Jesus, he stood by his side and strengthened him. You know, Paul, he could always turn to, to him in prayer. You know, he's asking for his scrolls and his parchments because he wanted to be reading his word. Check this out. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. I recommend memorizing this. 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, cast your anxiety on him, on Jesus, because he cares for you. Whether we're suffering physically or emotionally or mentally, spiritually, we can always go to Jesus and give him our burden. Because there's things in our life that we can't control, but he can. And he cares for you. That's a promise, that he cares for you. You know, let Jesus deal with your baggage. He strengthens us. He helps us. He keeps us going, reminding us of what life is about, that ultimately we'll get to be in heaven, eternal glory. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering. He's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. Now, Jesus doesn't promise us a life of no suffering, but he promises us to be with us as we go through it. The second thing that Jesus does as our friend, as our best friend, is he slays Satan. Check out verse 17. Paul says, I was delivered from the lion's mouth. Satan, who's described as a roaring lion, was trying to stop Paul. He was trying to distract him, trying to tempt him to, you know, maybe go back and be a lawyer and get on the big bucks and, you know, stop with this Jesus thing that's getting you stoned. But instead of that, Paul actually, he kept persevering. He was delivered from Je- by Jesus. If you're on fat or if you know your Bible, you'll know that Satan has been defeated. But he's still kind of flapping around like a headless chicken that somehow has a mouth. That I'm not sure how that works. But he's, he's trying to take us away from Jesus. He's trying to distract us. But like a good big brother, Jesus has beaten up our enemy Satan. And he's going to destroy him eventually. And here's another verse I love. You know, Satan, he tries to tempt us. But God, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. It's another verse to memorize as well. He will not let us tempt, be tempted beyond what we can handle. See, Satan, he, he can tempt us, but he can't control us. He can't dominate us. And even when we are tempted, he might provide, he'll provide, God will provide a way out. And there's always another option to sinning. I mean, maybe, maybe the option that God provides is, is to go to him with your frustrations instead of bitching about another person. Maybe it's leaving that party that you shouldn't be at early. Or maybe it's taking a cold shower and thinking about your grandma. But either way, Jesus will always provide a way out. Yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about. Jesus will always provide a way out. It's always there. So thirdly, the third thing that Jesus does is he secures our safety. Check out verse 18. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Here's the best part. Here's the best thing. I'm going to end with this. That Jesus will bring us safely to heaven. How does he do that? Well, he died so that you and I can get there. He died that even though we deserve hell, even though we deserve to be cut off, Jesus paid the price. And by the same power that raised him from the dead, we can get there too. How good is that? See, for Paul, this wasn't just an idea about Jesus. He didn't just believe in some truths or some philosophy or this kind of spirit in the sky. No, Paul had a real relationship with Jesus. He describes him as standing by his side. 
Paul's mates had bailed on him, but Jesus gave him strength. Jesus delivered him. Jesus rescued him. And here's the best thing, that Jesus has rescued us if we put our trust in him. And so my question for you, are you in a relationship with Jesus? I'm not asking, are you a Christian? But are you in a real relationship with Jesus? Is he your friend? Do you talk to him? Do you let him speak to you from his word? Guys, we're getting into holidays. My challenge for you is this. How are you going with your relationship with Jesus? What are you going to do over the next couple of weeks to walk with Jesus? I'm going to pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, for your promises. Thank you so much uh, that you've given us everything in Jesus, that he's our best amazing friend that loved us so much that he gave his life for us. And Lord, life is hard. We may have to say goodbye to friends for a short time, or we may have to say goodbye to friends for a longer time. And Lord, there's so much temptation and distraction in the way. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us cling to Jesus as our best friend. And Lord, help us as well uh, to put other good Christian friends in our lives that can encourage us, that can help us see the truth, that can rebuke us when we need and can point us back to you. And I pray that we as a community can reflect that and to be uh, your image bearers here on earth. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.